Hey, everyone. I promise that we are going to talk about this episode of Atlanta in great detail. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about what's happening at the rest of The Ringer. This week on The Ringer was Giant Week. In honor of the Andre the Giant documentary that will be debuting on HBO on Tuesday, August 10th. If you are a fan of The Masked Man Show, or if you are just a fan of David Shoemaker, then you may recognize him in the documentary. We also had a lot of Giant-related content on the website this week, including a ranking of the best Giants throughout time and space. That was done by Andrew Grotadero and Shea Serrano. We did a Ringer Pop Quiz about Giants. Uh, please pay attention to who wins that quiz. It might be someone else that you're familiar with. And we also have a firsthand experience from the wonderful Tom Bryan, who happens to be over seven feet tall. So please check it out and don't miss the documentary next Tuesday, April 10th on HBO. And now, guys, we got to talk about Teddy Perkins. Hello, and welcome to The Recapables, a podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Amanda Dobbins, the culture editor of The Ringer. Today, I am joined by Allison Herman. Hey, guys. And Victor Lukerson. Greetings from the A. Live from Atlanta itself. Not all great things come from great pain. Sometimes it's love. Not everything's in sacrifice. Sacrifice is unnecessary, Darius. We are here today to talk about episode six of Atlanta. It is called Teddy Perkins. It was written by Donald Glover. It was directed by Hiro Mirai. You know, I just want to say a lot of people have reached out on Twitter to ask if we're okay after this episode, like to ask how the Recapables crew is doing. And I appreciate that because this was a wild ride. It was. I think I feel hollowed out in almost the same way I did after Helen but, like, I wasn't expecting to be gutted by this in the same way that, like, Helen is an episode about a relationship. This is supposed to be a fun horror comedy. And then I just was in my feelings for, like, four hours afterward. Yeah, Victor, how are you doing emotionally? It was definitely a lot to deal with. And <laughs> I think the thing that made it the hardest was just there was really no reprieve. Like I kept expecting something at the end to be like, this is going to be okay. But then you just kept spiraling out of control. So yeah. I never settled themselves. So I'm going to do a very quick summary. I actually have two one-sentence summaries. Number one is uh, Darius goes to pick up a piano. That is, that's the plot. Right. Number two is, is what in the holy hell is happening on this show <laughs> because it's Donald Glover in a weird mask made of things that I, I don't even know what substance that is, kind of doing a whole horror comedy, but it's not even that funny. It's really creepy. There was a whole, like, right. after-the-fact explainer just to get the facts behind how they got Tracy's hair to look like that at the end of the second episode, and I feel like I need an entire novel or, like, yeah. documentary about what they did to Donald Glover to make him look like that. To make him be Teddy Perkins, who is the yeah, guest no. star and central character of this episode, we should just say. Who is also credited in the final end credits as Teddy Perkins as himself. Right. He, Donald Glover is not credited with this role. Yeah. And I should say, Victor, right, you were from, the one who pointed it out to me. Yeah, no, I've, from the moment he appears, uh, you know, you're just like totally unsettling. But I feel like as I was watching it, I realized that there's like there's a gif of uh, Troy from Community looking really angry that's popular on the internet, and I realized when Donald Glover when Teddy Perkins was looking angry, I just like saw Troy's eyes in there somehow. And I realized this, this must be Donald Glover doing this. 
Oh, wow. I totally didn't spot it on my first viewing, but I rewatched it because I needed to process what had just happened to me. And I think you can pick it up mostly vocally, although he's mm-hmm. doing a very clear impression of the person who Teddy Perkins is a very obvious in-text surrogate for, which would be Michael Jackson at the end of his life. Yeah, so normally on the Recapables, we do awards, and we will have some awards here, but uh, given the nature of this episode, which was a 41-minute, no commercials, kind of mindfuck, for better or worse, I thought that we should spend some time just honestly trying to figure out what this episode is about. Because I think we all ended the episode, and many people I saw on Twitter ended the episode just being like, huh, okay, what just happened? Um, so let's—the very basic thing, there is a Teddy Perkins character, which Allison, as you alluded to, he seems— he is certainly inspired by Michael Jackson and he like the dress, the skin bleaching, the voice, which is kind of high pitched, but quite gentle. Victor, you had some observations about uh, his home. Oh, yeah. My first thought when I saw when, he, when Darius walks in is we're at Southern Neverland right now, basically. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, Allison, explain the Michael Jackson connections a bit. So weirdly, my first thought when the episode finished or even while I was watching it was, oh, of course this is what they're doing. Like, this is such an obvious place in retrospect, obviously, for the show to go, which is Atlanta, although it always approaches these themes in really surprising and oblique and indirect ways, is a show about a pretty, like, stable set of fundamental themes, most of which are riffing on some combination of race and fame and the music industry. And... The weird elephant in the room and cautionary tale at the intersection of all those things is Michael Jackson and what happened to him. And weirdly, I feel like we haven't really, like, processed it. We always talk our way around it. He died less than a decade ago. But I'm in my 20s, and by the time I was old enough to be aware, like, Michael Jackson was fully in the laughingstock slash object of almost, like, fear phase of his public persona. Like, I remember all these tasteless jokes about him, and I feel like I didn't even connect the dots that, like, the person everyone was making all these jokes and poor taste about was also this superstar who made all the music that you hear in supermarket aisles until I was, like, 13, maybe. Um, But I feel like we haven't ever, like, there haven't actually been that many works of pop culture that attempt to make a statement about, frankly, like what an American tragedy his life story is. Weirdly, there was an episode of uh, Alana Glazer's show Time Traveling Bong that was like they travel back in time to save a child Michael Jackson from being abused by Joe Jackson, which was also like, again, not in particularly good taste. But this kind of felt like the first uh, really profound attempt at it. And it also feels in retrospect, uh, very predictable that it it would come from the show and the show would have the guts to go to that place. Yeah, it's a very good insight. And they are also, in addition to kind of exploring the specificity of the Michael Jackson story, they're using it as a lens to kind of talk about what it means to be an artist, what it means to be famous, and possibly what the consequences of that are. Victor, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it starts with this very sort of obvious Michael Jackson uh, symbol, but then it sort of pulls back, right, to be sort of more broadly about like the price of art and whether art sort of has to come from human suffering 
like throughout the episode, uh, Teddy Perkins and Darius are having this like debate basically about whether or not art has to be derived from pain or whether it can be derived from love, you know, because th their first conversation, uh, they're talking about rap and Teddy Perkins is saying that rap is just like an adolescent genre because the artists aren't sort of invested enough, haven't had enough, gone through enough sacrifice to make it a powerful genre. And then, you know, Darius is like, well, people, sometimes people just want to have fun. And Teddy Perkins says, well, that's not valid or valuable, basically. And then later, you know, at the end of the episode, when they're having this armed confrontation, they're uh, debating Stevie Wonder and whether or not Stevie Wonder actually suffered. You know, Darius is saying that Stevie Wonder's art came from a place of love. Teddy Perkins is saying no, because he was blind and actually came from a place of suffering. So they're just sort of going back and forth about whether or not art can actually be derived from anything besides pain. And I think that really resonated with me and sort of uh, made the episode really powerful in terms of sort of analyzing where art comes from or sort of how we can get value from it. And even Atlanta, the show itself is often derived, like the episode itself is derived from pain and suffering. So there's sort of like a weird meta, meta element to that debate where like we're talking about this now because it was so dramatic and involved, you know, human death basically. Yeah. Also, Teddy Perkins is not technically the artist in question, or is he dun-dun-dun? Right. Can you explain that a little more? So Teddy Perkins explains to Darius, who has shown up basically just to get a piano that was listed for free on Craigslist that has different colored keys that he, he doesn't even know how to play. He just thought looks cool, which is a very Darius thing to do. Mm -hmm. Teddy Perkins explains that uh, he's actually caring for his brother, Benny Hope, who's a really famous pianist in a sort of whatever happened to Baby Jane situation. Mm -hmm. And at one point after Darius has gotten the piano, he gets in a very creepy old elevator. And instead of taking him to the first floor, it takes him to the basement. And he sees a figure in a wheelchair who has his face totally obscured by a mask. And Teddy had previously told him, oh, I'm caring for Benny. He has a skin condition. Darius had interpreted that to mean that Teddy actually is Benny. He just can't fully own up to what he's done to his appearance. But then uh, this figure in the wheelchair says he is Benny and that Darius needs to help him kill Teddy and save them both before Teddy kills them both. And normal, normal, normal thoughts. Yeah. I will say uh, Atlanta is famously unpredictable. I had no idea this episode was coming. The second I saw the guy in the wheelchair and Darius makes a phone call to Paperboy in which he spells out, I think that totally was Teddy just fucking with me. Mm -hmm. As soon as that happened, I was like, oh, they're both, they're two distinct people. This is totally what's going to culminate. So if that's smart and that's an insight about the, sh the choices that the show makes, that it really always does the weirdest, most unexpected thing. I, Victor and I were speaking about this even when... In the climactic scene, Benny kind of rolls out of the elevator to confront Teddy. I was not convinced that they were two real people. I was like, something else is going to happen here, whether it's a delusion or whether it's someone else in costume. I un Until actually the final scene when the, the bodies are being rolled out of the, the house, I didn't believe that they were two people. But that's, again, just because Atlanta trains us. Uh, to expect the unexpected. Victor, did you think that there were two people? No, I definitely thought that in the end, Darius would like talk Teddy down and they would somehow come to some sort of resolution that did not involve a murder-suicide. Yeah. So when the elevator opens and Benny rolls through, I was definitely like, uh, my jaw was on the floor a little bit because I definitely did not, I still did not think at the time that the show would just go that far. Because once Benny shows up, you know that things are like not going to end well for anybody in that situation, basically. 
I do think, like, as a metaphor, it almost felt a little bit like Atlanta pursuing the shock moment because as a metaphor, I do think they are supposed to be, like, two halves of the same person. Yeah. And Benny is the pure artist and Teddy is the monster that society has shaped him into. I'm Like, just as sure. a weird self-contained parable, I think we should think of them as the same entity. But I, as a cool twist on the horror scare, what is happening, it was a cool reveal. I did see someone wondering if it was an allusion to Marvin Gaye's death because Marvin Gaye was shot by his father. And I thought that was interesting just in the context of fathers were the kind of other big theme of this episode. They mentioned Joe Jackson by name. Well, and they also mentioned Marvin Gaye Sr. and Tiger Woods' his father. Serena there Williams' father. In the, it, Richard Williams, yeah. Yeah, in just the creepiest, the, probably the, the single creepiest room in the house has to be the museum to fathers with the faceless mannequin and the newspaper all over the windows. And that is kind of where many of the conversations about sacrifice that you were talking about, Victor, uh, it, they're continued and kind of explored in terms of the situation that Teddy was put in and is this his fault versus... Well, not even his fault, but how much of this was worth it. Yeah. I um, mean, Teddy is in this place where he is defending his father. He says, yeah. you know, I, as a kid, we didn't know enough to push ourselves. And our father pushed us, and that made us great, and therefore it's worth it. And he's kind of using this as like a consolation in the midst of this very sad isolation that he's stuck in late in his life. And Darius says no, and that— you know, you have your dad should have said sorry. Like maybe he accomplished something, but he still put you in a really unfair position and you deserve as a human being to experience some contrition for that. I also thought it was interesting how when Darius is sort of arguing for his life at gunpoint, he talks about like he himself had, you know, father issues. So I think it's interesting how they sort of like you have this sort of big dramatic situation involving these like superstar artists, but lots of people deal with those sort of dynamics with their fathers with their parents, you know, on a, on a smaller scale every day. So I thought it was interesting how they were able to sort of have the big picture with these superstars, but also Darius is sort of explaining that, yeah, like everybody, a lot of people go through some version of this with their own parents, basically. Also, I do think we should probably take a second to talk about just the choice of Darius as the character to center this episode on. I have personally been waiting for, like, the Darius episode as sort of the other shoe to drop. He's always been the most fun character on Atlanta, the most funny. He gets all the best one-liners. And this was not really what I was expecting from it. But on the other hand, like, Atlanta has a lot of very, like, passive, reactive characters. And I kept thinking of, you know, if Paperboy were in the situation, we just got Paperboy, like, being put in the middle of a crazy situation. He just looks really annoyed, and he does that really well. We've seen Donald Glover was just in that situation, or Earn was, with Helen, and he gives the what-the-fuck-is-happening face. But Darius is, like, the only character on Atlanta who would go into that situation take it relatively in stride and then really sincerely engage with Teddy. Like, he really means it when he says, no, like, art can come from love. You deserve love. And I feel like no other character from Atlanta would give that kind of response. And it's also funny to watch Darius, who is always, like, the weirdest person in any room that he's in, suddenly be, like, the normal person. In yeah. The room. I did think it, you make a great point that, that he is the only character who could kind of do that earnest conversation that that is the attempt to bring Teddy out of his shell. But you do spend the first 30 minutes being like, huh, Darius is the straight man. This is this is an interesting choice. And again, 
it's kind of not quite what you expect, but also Atlanta is very good at making those choices work. And also, frankly, it's a testament to the development of these characters that it instantly does make so much sense. It feels so natural. Right. It's also kind of interesting on a meta level because there are definitely like get out two vibes to the entire episode. Yes. And obviously Lakeith Stanfield is uh, one of the characters who is tortured throughout get out. So it's sort of interesting sort of seeing him in a horror context again, basically, sort of more being that role in some ways versus like Darius, I guess. And the Polaroid, there's the the flashing camera, which one of the many weird, uncanny touches is uh, Teddy takes a Polaroid of Darius right when he's just opening the door and he's just standing there. And in the Polaroid that is eventually printed out, Darius has his arms up in kind of an X motion, which when I rewatched it, I don't think he actually makes that motion while he's being photographed. He just shows up like that in the photo, which is just a little thing to keep you on your toes. <laughs> there's one more theme that, I want to talk about that's adjacent to the idea of Victor isolated of does art have to come from pain? Uh, but this idea also of kind of the this the cost of making good art and also the cost of being famous, the cost of success, which is a theme that is kind of explored throughout Atlanta. And I think what is so smart about this episode is that you have that one bit of comic relief, which is when they cut to Al and Ern and Tracy in the car, in the drive through at Crystal. And it's mostly just trying to, to cut the tension, because otherwise, how could you survive 40 minutes of this very creepy person? But even within that very funny scene, when they're just making fun of, of Teddy Perkins, Alfred is having his own many encounter with the drive through attendant and is kind of dealing with the ramifications of fame himself. And it's much smaller and it's not a big deal, but that's been a theme for him. And I thought it was very clever of how they connected those dots of being famous has consequences. And it also made me wonder, this is when I begin to interrogate the Donald Glover as Teddy Perkins character. And I'm wondering how much I'm supposed to read into that as a comment on Donald Glover's own experiences to date. Because Donald Glover as a person is more famous and hyped up than Paperboy is in the show. Like, I got the feeling that it was a lot more Donald Glover talking about being Donald Glover or what he is afraid of becoming than about a commentary on this character in the show. Although I do think that's absolutely part of it. And there is the weird, like, uh, the guy keeps insisting on giving him extra fries and Alfred's like, no. And then he's like, just don't eat him, which I thought was such a funny punchline. But I also think, like, even when, you know, Alfred is experiencing this, they still have that moment where they look up what Darius is talking about when he says, look up Sammy Sosa in the hat. And then they all start, like, scream laughing and roasting him and being like, he looks, which is really funny, but it also felt to me like they were conjuring up the, like, this that's how we talked about what Michael Jackson looked like after he had done all these things to his appearance and his appearance had changed so much. And it felt like it, it felt like they were trying to make a little bit of a commentary of like he is funny and he is scary, but this is also like a person in an enormous amount of pain, which is what kind of got alighted, I think, towards the end of Michael Jackson's life. Yeah, least. this toggles between a horror film. It definitely, Victor, you're right. Get out two vibes for sure. Uh comedy, even even in the house, even in the really uncomfortable moments. Victor, do you think I'm reading too much into Donald Glover as Teddy Perkins? No, I definitely thought about that once I realized he was 
portraying that character. And I also sort of thought about whether it was maybe not about the future, but like the past. Like Donald Glover's had so many different personas over the last decade. And at one point he was sort of, one of his, one of his childish game being up personas was sort of about this like, I exist in this sort of like racially ambiguous area area between like the black community and the white community. And I sort of like don't know how to navigate that. That used to be a big part of his music. Um, and he's just been so many different types of people. So I just sort of wondered whether he was trying to like kill off older versions of himself, you know, in the murder suicide at the end. And then we're left with like the Atlanta Donald Glover, who's like a pretty past, pretty minor character in the episode, but he is in the episode too, laughing at Sammy Sosa. So that's like the last Donald Glover left, left with this, this guy that exists today and is making this great show or whatever. Though I would say that one drop-in scene in the the drive-thru and you notice that Ern is sitting in the back because apparently whatever his stature in the group has kind of fallen down a notch. And I do feel in that moment you get an update on how Al's career is going. They do a nice job of connecting them and kind of keeping the plot going. I will say I thought the first three episodes of this season were way more plot heavy than I was used to. And I was calling, huh, this is weird. We're just really going in for exposition and following the music career. And so in some ways, the last three episodes that have been these character specific episodes to me feel more like the Atlanta that I know and love, which is a weird thing to say about this truly experimental 41-minute film. But they did that last season, too. Like, the first three episodes of Atlanta are a lot more plot-heavy, which I didn't even realize until I rewatched. But the episodes that stick with you that everyone talks about are the BANs and Teddy Perkins of the world. And it it feels good to be in that, like, these are going to be the all-timers phase of the season. It's also interesting how they were able to sort of flip some of the earlier tropes or like famous jokes of the show like obviously ban has the guy who's a 17 year old black kid and wants to be a white guy mm-hmm. um as one of the characters and now this teddy perkins is like the realization of that sort of and it's like much more horrifying in this context than it was in the context of the ban sketch so and even the idea of sort of like oh we're gonna have all of these like creepy people in masks in different episodes, usually kind of like for a weird laugh, but here it's just like only for horror, basically, that this guy's hidden behind this mask. So they were sort of able to take these older themes of the show and sort of flip them in a much scarier way, basically. It's a great point. There was a very haunting tweet going around last night that was just screenshots of the this school kid in the white face and then the... Antoine, the kid from BAN, and then Teddy Perkins. And it that was really a trifecta of... It, it was quite something to behold them together. And, and Victor, as you pointed out, kind of connects the line through really the whole two seasons thus far. We are going to do some awards, but first I want to tell you about something new here at The Ringer. We have exciting news... There's merch. There's Ringer merch for you to buy. We have a brand new storefront that you can check out. It has hats, hoodies, dad hats, and even an exclusive Shea Serrano disrespectful dunk t-shirt. It is really the hottest merch out there right now. Your friends, family, loved ones will all be quite jealous. So if you would like to stoke their jealousy, just go to the ringer.com slash shop to pre-order your merch now. And you can also find that link in the description. But just to say it again, it's ringer.com slash shop. I want to get to some awards. We'll, we'll keep them quick. But 
Here's the thing. This was definitely a short horror film. So in addition to exploring all these really interesting ideas, I I think that we all were in contact with each other through the watching of this episode. And I would summarize our various conversations as either a bunch of question marks or, oh, no, what's happening now? Because it really was uh, it was funny and interesting and also very unsettling. So the most unsettling moment is our award. Allison. I think mine is Teddy Perkins has gone upstairs in theory to get Darius a glass of water, which is just a standard nice thing that a host should do for a guest. And then Darius hears this piano music just filling the house and it's so beautiful and he can't even help himself. He just wanders upstairs and he gets to the closed door that the piano music is clearly coming out from. And Teddy Perkins opens the door really quickly. It's like a mini jump scare. Oh, <laughs> what are you doing up here? I, uh, I, I just heard the piano. It sounded great. So, Benny, he, he's sleeping. He's very tired. He needs his rest. And Darius peers over his shoulder and he sees a wheelchair in front of this piano that he's trying to take and there's nobody in it. And that's like one of Bad. your first. This is this is not a good situation, and it's a little bit of a faint because later you find out Benny is real, and it's never quite addressed whether he was the one who was actually playing the piano in that moment. But it's a real head spinner of a moment. <laughs> I, f- I feel like just seeing Teddy Bergen's face in the natural light when he showed up then was <laughs> so weird. It's, it's a great point. It really is. It's also followed up by, like, he's like, oh, do you still want the water? Like, tap or bottled? And Darius is like, bottled's fine. He's like, okay, um, I'll get you a Fiji mixed with some Evian, <laughs> maybe some Voss. <laughs> and it's such a funny, like, bizarre joke about an out-of-touch rich person making a cocktail of bottled water that comes after this, like, truly creepy moment. And Teddy Perkins is funny. Like, there are funny moments sprinkled throughout it that don't quite undercut the horror, but mix with it. It's a very over-the-top delivery, for sure, by Donald Glover and that character. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, Victor, your most unsettling moment and my most unsettling moment, we we confer before these podcasts, they're related. Mine is when Teddy is sitting in the armchair and then he suddenly pulls out the rifle, which I just (sighs) honestly— In terms of shot composition, it's really something. And there is something about Donald Glover's face in that moment as Teddy Perkins that is truly terrifying. Uh, And then, Victor, yours follows shortly thereafter. Right. After they sort of come back into the foyer and Benny comes in, uh, shoots Teddy Perkins. And then Benny is beckoning for an object from uh, Darius and he ends up shooting himself in the head. And I was just super shocked because I just sort of assumed that. Like, usually when there's, like, an act of extreme violence on Atlanta, like, there'll be some sort of comedic relief. Like, last season when um, Aaron was trying to get his jacket back from the Uber driver and the Uber driver gets killed. They still have this sort of weird, dark comic thing where, like, he's, like, still wants the jacket even though the guy's just been shot by the police. So I was kind of expecting that maybe, like, Benny and Darius would have some sort of, like, funny interaction, but no, instead, like, Benny blows his head off. And I was just like, wow. They're, like, not going to let up at all on the tone of this episode. Like, we're not going to get any sort of, like, comic relief or sort of, like, statement that this is okay. So just, like, having that moment happen and then being left with nothing except Stevie Wonder singing evil in the in the last moments was a lot to deal with. 
as Darius just drives away, which also felt like kind of more of a magic realist moment because I was like, in real life, that dude would be like in a police station for like 48 hours afterward if a super famous person died in a murder-suicide. But it's a weird, like, Atlanta does that a lot. Like, there are all these abrupt turns into violence, and then they're not greeted as consequentially as you might expect them to be because they're the reality that this is just a fact of life is reiterated over and over again. And even then, like, when Teddy Perkins pulls the gun, Darius's reaction, like, he's shocked, but he clearly, like, has had a gun pointed at him before and, like, knows to enter the talk-down mode. Like, there's a lot less of—there's no scream. Although there is a scream earlier in the episode, which is terrifying. <laughs> to be fair, he's been warned of the existence of the gun by a creepy man with a chalkboard in a boiler room in the basement. So just some nor- right. just some normal stuff. There are two more moments that I just wanted to highlight. The number one was the don't go back in the house moment with Darius, which I did feel like for all of the weirdness that they were doing, they were still kind of having fun making a horror movie. And there is that moment when Darius is rolling the piano out. He gets to his U-Haul. He sees that a car is blocking him in. And of course, he's like, well, I'll just go in and check in about the car. And you're just like, no, (laughs) don't. And it really is that very classic moment. Right. He was in a giant truck. He could have very easily just driven on the grass yeah, and no, gotten around that small sedan. I was it. I was like, it's not even blocking you. I'm also pretty sure that driveway <laughs> was semicircular. It's a very spacious lawn. A love- By the way, a lovely house. Victor, as an Atlantan, do you have any sense of where they are in Atlanta in this episode? I don't know. Maybe like Druid Hills, perhaps, which is sort of like an upscale, like, mansion-filled area. Yeah. I don't know. It seemed like... It seemed like it must have been somewhere. It couldn't have been like that far out of the city because like a lot of the places outside of the city, outside of the city, are more like McMansion style. That's and true. It seemed like some kind of like old money, like heart of the city, creepy, creepy mansion. <laughs> true, kind of overgrown, but with the wood paneling and the the moldings, et cetera. Really lovely moldings. I just have to say. Um, here's the other scene. Speaking of the moldings, they were in the room where the ostrich egg also lives, and I just oh, I. God. Of all of the moments where I couldn't actually keep watching this show, it was the ostrich egg where I honestly where had you to instinctively see something like running down the side. You see Darius like almost gag, and he is not an easily right. phased character. <laughs> yeah, just the sound effects of uh, Teddy dipping, reaching into the egg, and you just hear like the squishing and the squelching <laughs> of the viscous substance. I'm using all the worst words right now. <laughs> That's how it felt. God, we just gotta like throw moist in there and we're good. There was also something at some point, like he's Stanfeld just makes a face that also indicates how bad it smells. And I don't think I've ever had like as full sensory and experience communicated to me on television as I could smell the gross ostrich egg in that moment. It was disgusting. I'm still disgusted by it. It's also followed by this amazing moment where like earlier when Darius has said he wants water, uh, Teddy has pushed what looks like an intercom, and it's like, Darius needs some water when you have a moment. And then after he has the the ostrich egg, Darius kind of tries to diffuse attention by being like, hey, like, your butler hasn't given gotten the water yet. And Teddy goes, I don't have a butler. I just use this to leave basically voice notes for myself. And then he just hits a button, and he plays back all these weird Uh, voice notes. Oh, Uh, your butler or whatever, didn't bring the water yet. Oh, I don't have a button. I just use this to remember things. Finish that hat for Dion Warwick. Wash your hands. Immediately. 
Davies would like a glass of water when you have a moment. Right then. Excuse me. Oh boy, it's it's a lot. <laughs> what a weird, delightful show. I, our next category, this is a new one for us, but it was a very beautifully shot episode. It looked really, really good. I mean, obviously the house, as Victor and I were saying, is, is quite lovely, but it really is a short film, as you said, Allison. There's a, there are many reasons that they didn't interrupt it, including building tension, but it kind of is fully formed. And if I could quote Steven Soderbergh on Twitter last night, Tonight's episode of Atlanta is the most beautifully photographed half hour of TV I've ever seen, in addition to being wow. completely bananas. At bituation. At bituation. <laughs> that is Steven Soderbergh on Twitter. Anyway, so I wanted to identify like the best shot, the kind of best one moment that stays with you. Victor. For me, it was definitely when uh, Darius had the piano in the elevator, <laughs> and they sort of cut to this overhead shot uh, of Darius in the elevator, and it's like, hypersaturated in red and I don't know that's also sort of like a moment that the tone of the episode shifts to go like full horror basically mm-hmm. before then you're not quite sure it's still like kind of a comedy Teddy Perkins is kind of funny but I feel like from that moment on because from that moment you sort of see Darius press the uh, one press the lobby button on the elevator it's like blood red and then you see this weird contraption on the panel where it's like slowly sliding from one to the basement so basically he's like descending into hell and like never really recovers uh, normalcy but, you know, I just thought that, that initial shot uh, above them was, like, really, really great. And Very, he, like, we're going full we're going full Hitchcock right yeah. now, basically. And he even does the, like, no, 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 no thing that, like, every horror, <laughs> every horror protagonist has to do when things are going wrong. Um, my favorite shot, I think, was it, it was almost more sound design than camera work. But uh, the second time Darius hears something and he kind of gravitates to it is... Uh, Teddy is playing a home video of him or Benny oh, yeah. or the person that they both are uh, playing the piano as a childhood as a child and the father berating him and being like don't cry and Teddy is just off screen like sitting there watching it and just the shot of Darius like hearing it and the way you know it's edited it's kind of echoey and sad and you, it almost sounds like it's coming from the past I love this song. And Darius, like, clearly knows something is wrong, but he can't even help himself. He just, like, wanders into this room, and the camera follows Lakeith Stanfield. And it it really takes this moment in the the middle of this really horrifying and sad and scary ramp-up to be like, okay, let's just, like, take a moment to revel in, like, the pathos of a, of a child and innocence lost. But, and, then, and, then Teddy, right. and then Teddy jumps out again. So we go right back to the horror. <laughs> right. it, was, it was, like, ha- haunts again humanizing for, like, five seconds. And then we went, went back to the insanity, basically. Yeah. My favorite shot is also, it's a moment where just visually the mood turns on a dime. And it, it actually comes during the, the comedic relief, if you will, when Darius is outside talking on the phone to Al and he's kind of pasting in front of the house and they're making all the jokes about what Teddy Perkins looks like. And then there's there's kind of a wider shot and you go up to the window and Teddy Perkins is in the window. And it's 
he is kind of a he is supposed to be a ridiculous looking person. And there is kind of that surprise moment where it's almost with anyone else. It would be funny. It's like, ha surprise. Here this here is this weird looking person in the window. But the way it's shot, it is just scary as hell. And you immediately go back from this moment of levity to, oh, God, this is things are not good here. Th- something's going on. I mean, the entire time Darius is pacing around and talking like uh, more loudly than I would if I were shit talking the host great who point. could be there at any time. <laughs> That's a great point. I, I kept waiting for like he's going to like leap out of the bushes or turn out to be right there. There's just going to be some really scary reveal about where Teddy Perkins has been physically positioned while this conversation is going down, and it really did not disappoint. Our final category, it's the most valuable player, and there's no contest here that it's Donald Glover. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the audacity and the frankly, it's just really, really impressive that Donald Glover used all of his clout to convince FX to block off commercials, 41 minutes uninterrupted. They did not set advanced episodes. They spent a lot of time keeping this as quiet as possible. We didn't know it was coming. To use all of that energy for this, which is an extremely interesting and cool, but really, really weird episode of television. It's it's impressive. It is certainly a statement of vision. I will say Atlanta as a show is definitely at peak hype right now. And this specific episode, like I'd heard through the grapevine, episode six is the one. FX didn't send out screeners. They sent out a special press release to be like, BT dubs were not running any commercials. Like we knew something big was coming and we all sat down knowing something that they thought was important was about to be screened for us. And the fact that it still like blows past every possible expectation and still manages to surprise you and be something that is worth that level of of ramp up, I think was really an accomplishment. I was expected I was maybe actually expecting to be a little underwhelmed and I was not. Yeah, no, I think they they prove again and again that they're just not sort of bound by the conventions of sitcoms or sort of traditional television genres. And this is just another example of them sort of like going beyond the boundaries of what we expect the show to be. Yeah, it's we were expecting some sort of I don't want to say very special episode, but something notable and we got something notable, but it's completely twisting Twisting all expectations as they continue to do. Final question. Can Donald Glover win an Emmy for Best Actor and also Best Guest Star? Honestly, if Atlanta's running as a comedy, like, genre doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> so. Genre's not my concern. It's just like, just, just like the designation of who's doing what doesn't matter anymore. As long as he gets the most Emmys possible for a single human being, that that's Michael. <laughs> if he if, if he accepts the guest star Emmy as Teddy Perkins, then I'll allow it then. I honestly, if he accepts the guest star Emmy as Teddy Perkins, I'm just gonna run out of the room. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I don't know whether <laughs> I, I can want that to I've had enough <laughs> for my time. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Allison. Thanks for having me. Victor, live from Atlanta, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, y'all. And thank you to everyone for listening and for going on this emotional journey with us. We will be back next week with episode seven of Atlanta. Why have you destroyed so many minds? Leaving. One last note our theme song was made by our friends at songfinch.com. Check out Songfinch to turn your stories, memories, and even your feelings into a one of a kind song by professional musicians. It makes the perfect gift for any occasion. That's songfinch.com. 